And so we're in this series called The Race. This is the fourth of six lessons. It was uh, birthed in my mind last year as I began the training for uh, the first marathon I ever attempted last November in Richmond, Virginia. And it was a wonderful, difficult, awesome experience. And I know those of you who have never been in a long race would wonder why would you do it. But I will tell you, part of the reason is because the atmosphere of race day is quite intoxicating. You have all the runners around you. You have all the music that's playing. And most of all, you have all these people along the road as you run who encourage you. They clap. There are bands playing music. And my favorite thing was people along the way holding up signs. I actually remember some of the signs I saw when I ran my marathon. One of them I saw was this, toenails are overrated. (laughs) And runners understand what that sign was communicating. Another sign I saw around mile seven that I liked was, to us, you are all Kenyans. And that inspired me. Another sign around mile nine said, tomorrow, this will all feel like fun. I wasn't quite sure at mile nine, but it turned out to be true. One of my favorite signs was this one. Chuck Norris never ran a marathon. (laughs) A marathon is 26.2 miles. When I hit the halfway point, 13.1, I saw this sign. 26.2, because 26.3 is just crazy. But my favorite sign was held up by a girl that looked to be about four years old. And it said, keep running or I'm going to give you a wedgie. (laughs) But maybe the most important sign I saw was this one. Remember all the reasons you are doing this. You see, motivation is absolutely critical to a runner. To endure the pain, you have to identify the gain. Why is this worth it? Why am I doing this? You'll lose your interest if you lose your focus. Now, What is true in running a race is also true in following Christ. We've seen the New Testament often compares following Jesus to running. And this is especially true when it comes to focusing on the finish. So Paul is once again going to give us some excellent coaching as we pursue Jesus. So look with me in Philippians chapter 3. We're starting in verse 10. I want to know Christ. And experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things. Or that I've already reached perfection. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. 
Now, even if you're not a runner, you know every race is going to have the same three things. It's going to have a starting point. It's going to have a finish line. And in between, there's going to be a course. Now, the same thing is true in the Christian race. And in fact, in Philippians 3, Paul mentions all three. The starting block in the Christian race is that moment when you place your full trust in Jesus to be your Savior. You acknowledge Him as Son of God. You publicly confess Him before men. You get baptized. You ask Jesus to be your Savior. Now, the theological word for this is justification. It's that moment when you are declared righteous because you have trusted Jesus. Paul talks about it in verse 9 of chapter 3. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with Him depends on faith. So that's the starting block. Now, the finish line in the Christian faith is that day when Jesus returns like we sang about a moment ago, that glorious day when we receive our full benefits of salvation. And Paul talks about that in chapter 3 too, verse 20 and 21. For we're citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for Him to return as our Savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like His own. Using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. Now, the theological word for this in the Bible is glorification. So if you read the word justification, we're talking about the starting line. If you read the word glorification, we're talking about the finish line. Jesus is going to come back. Your body is going to raise up from the ground. It's going to be glorified. It's going to be the perfect body God always wanted you to have. And so sometimes the Bible will talk about, we have been saved. That's justification. And sometimes the Bible talks about, we will be saved. That's glorification. But sometimes the Bible says, we are being saved. Now that's talking about the course. And the theological word is sanctification. In other words, this grace lane that we are running in is not for spiritual couch potatoes. And so Paul says, I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. He's not talking about heaven. He's talking about his growth in Christ-likeness that is going to be completed When Jesus comes back and takes us to heaven. See, here's the reason we run. We run because we want to get in shape. We run because we're not satisfied with our current shape. We want to be more like Jesus. Now, there's actually a New Testament word for this. It's the Greek word morphe. Remember junior high science class when you studied about metamorphosis? Caterpillar turns into a butterfly. That word is all over the New Testament. When you read the word formed, conformed, be transformed, that's the word. The New Testament says it is possible right now as you're running your race, as you're on your course, for you to increasingly 
look like, act like, think like, love like Jesus. And this is God's passion and intent for all of us. In Romans chapter 8, we read that we know God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son. The Bible doesn't say everything that happens in your life is good. The Bible says God can bring good out of everything that happens in your life because God can use it to help you toward God's purpose for you to look more like Jesus. Now, this was Paul's obsession. This is what motivated him when the race got hard. And this was Paul's passion for all his fellow runners. He told the Galatians in chapter 4, Oh, my dear children, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains for you again. And they will continue until Christ is fully developed in your lives. Now, Paul is not talking about earning your righteousness. Your righteousness was given at the starting line. When you trusted Jesus, he credited his righteousness to you. But Paul knows that a persistent indifference to growing in grace causes one to wonder whether you ever entered the grace lane in the first place. Last weekend, my wife and I ran the Cowtown Half Marathon. And it's very, very easy to figure out who's in the race and who isn't. The people in the race are making progress. Even if it's slow progress, they're making it. And the people not in the race are standing still. See, this is not rocket science. If you're not making progress... It's legitimate to ask, are you even in the race? Uh, I read an interview by Ryan Hall. He's a strong Christian. He's America's best marathoner. And he was asked, why does Africa produce the best long-distance runners? In America, we have the best schools. We have the best coaches. We have the best nutrition. Why don't we have the best runners? He said, here's why. When I go to Africa and I go out for a run... All the kids from the villages come out and run beside me. And they laugh and they clap and they're smiling. Because in Africa, running is play. Running is fun. To American kids, running is punishment. They want to go home and get in front of the TV and play video games. I wonder if the same thing hasn't happened in Western Christianity. We don't like the run. We love the starting block. I want Jesus for the starting block. And I want Jesus for the finish line. I just don't know if I want to do the course. And so I ask you, how badly do you want to get in shape? Because I can tell you, having run some long races, if you don't want to get in shape... You won't last. I didn't ask you how much do you come to church. I didn't even ask you how religious you look to other people. I asked you 
How badly do you want to look more, act more, think more, love more like Jesus? How can we more faithfully pursue the one who so forcefully pursued us? Well, two things you have to do. The first, Paul says, you've got to stop looking back at your times. Forgetting the past. No runner can run a good race if he's always looking behind him. He has to look ahead. Now, Paul is not dismissing the value of intentional remembering. In fact, the Bible even says, remember the Lord and His mighty acts. The central act of Christian worship is an act of remembering. We just did it. You take bread, you take wine, Jesus said, and do it in remembrance of me. Here's the problem. We tend to remember the things we ought to forget. And we forget the things we ought to remember. So what Paul is saying is don't look back at things that are going to hinder your progress in Christ. Let me give you some examples. Some of you need to forget your sins in the past. You did something in the past, you had a season of your life that you're ashamed of. But do you remember the starting line? Jesus Christ has credited his righteousness to you. Listen, there are no perfect people in this race. Paul had an incredibly bad past. He never forgot about it, but he never let it stop his progress in Christ. And so, if you are suddenly haunted by the memory of something from your past that you're ashamed of, that didn't come from God. God will never haunt you with the memory of a sin He's forgiven. Forget it and keep running. Some of you need to forget your slights. Somewhere in your past, somebody hurt you. They betrayed you. It was unkind. It was unfair. And it still hurts. I'm not asking you to pretend it didn't happen. But I'm asking you to stop letting that wound hinder your progress in Christ. Holding on to wrongs never turns out right. Again, look at Paul. He had a lot of stuff in his past that were hurtful. He even said in Philippians, there are people out there that can't even talk without, about Jesus without putting me down. I don't care anymore. I'm just running. God poured out grace on you. Don't hoard it. Let it go. Pour it out on people that you need to forgive. Stop letting your wound be your identity. And follow after Jesus. You need to forget your sins, forget your slights, and this is even harder. Some of you need to forget your successes. You see, a good runner never starts celebrating until the race is over. You don't hear Paul bragging about all the things he's done in Christ. He's just going forward. The Bible says the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases His mercies never come to an end. They are new 
every morning. That's a good word because I can't live on yesterday's mercies. I need mercies for today. Norman Vincent Peale said one time he was at this hotel in uh, Jamaica. And he saw a map in one of the halls. And on one part of the island that was kind of desolate, in faint letters, it said, the land of look behind. And he went and he found the owner of the hotel and said, what does that mean? He said, well, in the days of slavery, if a runaway slave would leave a plantation, the owners would sometimes chase them with dogs or with guns to that part of the island that was very desolate. And everyone that lived there were always looking over their shoulders, seeing if they were being chased. They called it the land of look behind. What a miserable way to live. Paul says, don't run that way. Stop worshiping the good old days in the past. Stop crying about the bad old days. Just keep running after Jesus. You can't go forward if you're constantly looking at the rearview mirror. Paul says you need to stop looking back at your times and you need to keep leaning forward toward Christ. He says, I have not achieved it. But this one thing I do, looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race. You see, in the Christian race, nobody goes varsity. Nobody says, you know what? I think I have achieved about all the Christ-likeness a person can achieve in one life. You never say that. The more we learn of Christ, the more we learn that there's more to learn. So here is the key to running a good race. Remember this. You need to learn the areas of your life where you should be content. And you need to learn the areas where you should never settle. See, Paul would say in chapter 4, I've learned how to be content when it comes to stuff. I have learned how to live with lots of stuff in my life. And I have learned how to live with very little stuff. And I have learned not to let the level of stuff affect my level of joy. I have learned when it comes to stuff how to be content. But when it comes to Jesus, I'm never satisfied. I want more of Jesus. I want to know more about his life. I want so much of Jesus, I want to share in his sufferings. I want more of his death. I want more of his resurrection. I want more of his spirit. I am never satisfied. I want more of Christ. You see, discipleship is not just leaving the starting blocks. It's this lifelong choice. I'm choosing Jesus over all the other paths out there I could run down. See, this is just not one factor in Paul's tightly compartmentalized life. I got my religion. I got my school. I got my athletics. I got my hobbies. I got my family. I got my job. Paul doesn't do life like that. Jesus is his life. Jesus gets in the center of everything in his life. And Paul measures everything in his life by this question. Is it helping me gain more of Christ? That's why he ran. 
So I ask again, how hard are you pursuing Christ? I love how Paul in Ephesians 3 prays for us from the message. I ask him that with both feet planted firmly on love, you'll be able to take in with all Christians the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. Reach out and experience the breath. Test its length. Plumb the depths. Rise to the heights. Live full lives. Full in the fullness of God. Don't you love people that just won't settle No matter what life has dealt them, they want to make progress. We got a young boy, 12 years old, on the West Fort Worth campus named Josh Adair. Josh was a good little athlete. He played football, basketball, soccer. Then about a year and a half ago, his family noticed he kept falling down a lot. In fact, one day his dad had to go get him at school because he kept falling down. And they took him to the doctor, and the doctor immediately sent him to the hospital. Josh was a... Diagnosed with a disease so long I can't even pronounce. It's like an acute version of Guillain-Barre syndrome. His uh, immune system was attacking his nerves. And the next thing you know, Josh is in the hospital for over a month. And there's questions whether or not he'll ever walk again. He was paralyzed. Lots of heavy, heavy medications and therapy allowed Josh to finally leave the hospital in a wheelchair. And then after some months of therapy, Josh got into a walker, and he was able to get along with the walker. And then about six months later, he called out to his parents one day, come outside, come see. And they watched Josh run halfway down the block and back. And Josh decided, I'm going to run every day. He can't play regular sports, at least now, but he can try to run. So he told his dad, let's go run the 10K at the Cowtown. His goal was to do it in two hours He had to walk some of the way, but he finished in an hour and 20 minutes, and I was proud of Josh. You know, maybe the most important step Josh took, though, was last summer. It was the first Sunday the West Fort Worth campus opened. He was the first one to step down into that baptistry, confess Christ, and be baptized. A young man that says, I'm not going to settle. Or what about precious Nika Maples? She grew up in this church. I think she's at the South Lake campus now. As a young woman battling lupus, she has a devastating stroke that incapacitates her physically, apparently for the rest of her life. Cannot imagine how much energy it takes for Nika to move it all. And Nika decides that she wants last weekend to do the 5K. That's 3.1 miles. She wrote me later and said if she had driven the course ahead of time, she wouldn't have tried it. But she took off, and it was hard. It hurt. She'll tell you some of the times she cried. In fact, she got almost to the end, and she thought, I can't do it anymore, and she was about to quit. There was a lady at the end of the race up in the second floor. You see, they'd already torn down most of the stuff. They'd taken up all the water tables. Nika was one hour behind the last runner. But she saw Nika. She ran back down. They put back up the finish line. 
they found the lady that had been playing the bagpipes. And she came out of her car and she started playing. Watch this video. She started playing Chariots of Fire. And there's Nika finishing her race. She's laughing and she's crying all at the same time. It took her two hours and 45 minutes to go three miles. She was 5,102nd out of 5,102. But I'll tell you, I think she ran a great race. Because she would not settle. I love people like that. And I want to tell you something. The Holy Spirit is not going to let you settle. The Holy Spirit is never going to let you get away with saying, that's enough. I've gone about as far in Christ as I want to go. And here's why. You take it from a man who's preached a lot of funerals. Nobody remembers the start of your race. We all remember the finish. I want to finish well. I don't ever want to settle. I want more of Christ. I want to think more like Christ. I want to live more like Christ. I want to love more like Christ. One of my heroes is Alexander White. He was an old Scottish preacher, lived into his 90s. He got to where he was too old to actually stand up and preach, but he would get up every morning and he would write sermons. He would study and write sermons. He would never preach because he didn't want to settle if there was more of Christ to know. Don't you want to be that person? Don't you want your kids and your grandkids to say about you someday, they never stopped pursuing Jesus. And I know the race is hard. And I know some of you have faced some huge hills and their temptation to quit has been strong. But you will get there. The reason I know you'll get there is because we know that the starter will help us finish. See, God is absolutely determined to accomplish his purpose in you. In fact, back in chapter 1, Paul started the letter this way. Now, I'm certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. And I know that sometimes maybe at your school or maybe at your job or maybe in your home, it feels like you're running all by yourself. But you're not. The starter is going to help you finish. And that's why maybe one of my all-time favorite running illustrations comes from the 92 games in Barcelona. Watch this video clip. Derek Redmond, and the best form he's shown since he broke the British record. Cuban Hernandez has got uh, Redmond to aim at, and so too in line number three is Steve Lewis. But Redmond's got off very fast indeed, and so too is Ismail of Qatar. Down the back straight, he's the fractional leader. Bader of Nigeria has gone very quickly, and Redmond has broken down. He's on the track, kneeling down, and Derek Redmond, on his injury problem... And I got to the 200-metre mark after hobbling 50 metres and looked across and all the guys had finished. And it pretty much hit me that, you know, it ain't going to happen, it's all over. He just wants to finish. His dad's trying to run under the track to stop him. He's going to tell him, Derek, don't. 
the old man went to put his arms around me and I was just about to try and push him off because I thought it was someone else. I didn't see him, he sort of jogged from behind. Well, whatever happens, he had to finish and I was there to help him finish. I intended to go over the line with him. We started uh, his career together. I think we should finish it together. Now in the greatest arena in sport, he's getting the cheer of the games. It was the most cherished moment of the Olympics. Nobody even remembers who won the gold. But we all remember the young man determined to finish and the father that made sure he did. Because God never starts anything. He doesn't intend to finish. And so Jesus is on the cross And he says, it is finished. And with that declaration was the conclusion that he has just run the perfect race. But did you know that you're going to hear Jesus say, it is finished one more time. And he's going to be talking about you. So run well. So, Father, I ask you now in Jesus' name to uh, bless this teaching. Bless the hearts of all who have heard it. Some, Father, are running hard. And I pray you would keep them focused on the finish. Keep their hearts and their eyes free of distraction. Some, Father, are running tired and discouraged. I pray you would renew their spirit and let them know it's worth it. It's worth it to want Christ more than anything else. And God, maybe there are some here and they're just barely running at all. They're getting a little lazy. Maybe they've become content where they should be discontent. I pray you would inspire them today. Get back on the course and start chasing what really matters. That we would pursue him who gave his life to pursue us. And so, Father, in Jesus' name, for Jesus' glory, because his jersey is on our back, help us run well. Amen. So you can be standing. And let me just say, you can't finish a race you've never entered. I've been talking about the course, but maybe somebody here hadn't even gotten to the starting block. You need to do that. You need to confess Jesus. You need to ask Him to be Savior. You need to publicly acknowledge Him. You need to be baptized. You need to enter the race. Some ministers are going to be down here right now. Come, tell us that's what you want to do.